exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Harinku and I will be your host as usual for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. How you doing, Megan? I'm doing great, thank you. Well, that's great to hear. And uh, we have a special guest in the house again for his second show, the return of D2 Dave. How's it going, Dave? Feels good to be back. Well, hey, great to have you on the show. We got a lot to talk about. Happy Valentine's Day out there to all you Lovers, family members, children, whatever, dogs, pets, and I don't care. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to you guys out there. Hope you're having a good one with your significant other. And happy happy birthday to my mom. Well, there you go. Happy birthday, birthday to Mrs. Bauman. Very happy birthday to her, too. But we're going to talk about sports, okay? Something that's a little bit better than Valentine's Day for a lot of people. <laughs> but uh, we are going to kick yeah. off today's show with something that we never talk about. And it's something that I will take full responsibility for as the host of this show. Um, women's basketball. Uh, we are going to talk about the Michigan State women's basketball team, which is playing incredibly well. They are playing fantastic basketball. This team is 22-3. and They're 10-2 and in the conference. Uh, they just beat Michigan. Uh, uh, yesterday, uh, uh, 69 to 56, in the first sold-out game at the Breslin Center for Michigan State women's college basketball. Um, it, you know, it was a great performance by Michigan State. Huge crowd came out. Like I said, 14,000 people came to this game, sold out. Uh, fantastic. And uh, real fast before we kind of get into this, what I want to—the question I want to pose to our listeners—is why is it that? We as a society, or we as a public, don't really get into women's sports. Not just basketball. I'm talking women's sports in general. Whatever it might be. You know, if you see women's hockey, anything, even soccer, okay, you know, swimming, anything involving women, we get much more amped about it if it's men. It's just the bottom line, okay? Like I said, this Michigan State women's basketball team is playing phenomenal, okay? Ranked 11th in the AP, 13th in the coaches' poll. This team is playing fantastic. Yet, even in, like, my own blame, like I said, we have not brought them up all season. We sit here and complain about the men's basketball team week after week, day after day, and yet we don't give the briefest of mentions to a team at our own school that is playing out of this world, in my opinion. They're playing fantastic. That's my question to you guys. 517-432-3893. Why do we not, as a society, get into women's sports? Why is that something that does not get us revved up, does not get us talking at the water coolers? Why is that? Now, first off, I want to go to Megan as the only female here. Um, why do you think that is? Why is it that women's sports just kind of gets lost in translation with the, you know, the public? Um, well, when I was in high school, I played softball and basketball. Um, I, if you want to talk about like basketball, it's a lot slower. Um, girl, like women, women's ba- not girls. Women's basketball is a lot slower paced. Um, they're more of get everything set up, let's run a play. Where men's basketball is like transition, 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 transition. Let's go, let's get it going. We're gonna dunk on this person. We're gonna throw up the three. Like mm-hmm. women's basketball is, they like to develop things. Um, but I mean, it's just guys. 
people just aren't as interested. I don't know what it is. I mean, it could be different for everyone. I, I a lot of it, I think it is um, with the pace of the sport, though. Uh huh. Um, because it's just not as interesting. Um, I just honestly, guys scientifically are more superior to, than women. Um, athletically, athletically, well, athletically. Well, I'm saying, you know, if you want to say in everything, okay. Well, well I'm you... like physically, <laughs> okay. physically, yes. they're more. That's I think I said that they're physically, you know, more. They they have a better ability to be better at things, and I just like I said, I think it's just the the pace of everything. I mean, I honestly I loved playing softball. Could I sit through a softball game? No, probably not. Could I sit through a baseball game? Yeah, I could. I just think it's a lot more interesting. And I'm, coming from a girl, it's just I'm a woman or woman or whatever you want to say it. It's just it's my opinion too. You know what? When we're talking about basketball, though, I love watching the women's team play. Um, two years ago, we were hosting the NIT. Um, or, you know, the women's version of the NIT. And we were playing Marquette. It, it was a great game. We had a great atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. We ended up losing the game, but it was fun the entire time. And it was it was just, you know, I, it wasn't, weren't as many people, but it was definitely had a great atmosphere, just like during the men's games. Um, definitely not, you know, with the I-Zone. There was no I-Zone. Yeah. But it was great representation, um, not only for Michigan State, but for women's sports in general. Um, I've seen the team a couple of times. Um don't get me wrong. I uh, I love Kaylin Lucas, but Brittany Thomas might be a better point guard right now. <laughs> she she's a baller. I, I love watching her play. She's my favorite player to watch on the women's team. She passes it great. Um, you know, and to me, I love basketball. And when I see great passes, that gets me excited. Uh-huh. She can score. She dribbles it very very well, and she sets this team up to play. And I think. Um, her along with Keen provide great senior leadership for the team, and you know that that's why this team's winning. They have great leadership, and uh, and then lastly, I feel like they're playing better Spartan basketball right now than the men. Um, oh, hands down, they're, they're bigger, they're stronger, and they're faster than the competition. And uh, you know our men's team is almost getting lost in translation um, for like the the power aspect to it. Now you know Sands this last game where we played very well. Yeah. Um, but I, I just love watching this team. Okay, but uh, like you know to the I okay yeah you like women's basketball, but with women's sports in general, why do you think people don't get into it? I mean, what is what is it? I mean, I agree with Megan that the pace of the women's basketball it is slower. You don't get dunks. You have layups. Uh, you know, you don't have the you know as t- the grittiness to it. I say that I would say as much. You don't get the explosive blocks, alley oops, mm-hmm. all the excitement factors. I think you know the men's game has to it. I mean, obviously that's part of my reason that I, I don't get as into it. But what do you do? You see any other um, reasons really? Really, I you know I I can't. I can speak for my own opinion, yeah. and this might be shared by others. I feel like we watch sports because we're watching men do something that we can't do. We cannot throw a fastball at 98, 95 miles per hour. We cannot dunk a basketball. Um, we cannot you know, shoot a hockey puck at 100 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. We cannot do that. Nope. Um, but with a women's game, you know, they are doing layups, but it's a more developed game, and it's something that you know, I can learn how to do. It's much more applicable to me. Um, but you know, I can't get as excited because you know, I, I can lay up. I can't dunk, though, and that's something that you know, Darrell Summers can do that I cannot do. No, and Dave, I think you brought up a fantastic point. Uh, I think that is a, a big reason why in all of sports in general that we can't get into female sports because it's true. I mean, I think in a lot of female sports, it's a much more uh, sound 
it's much more just it's the it's the basics and that they've perfected that you know that you know just sound passing just great way like Megan brought up developing of plays being patient um, that is something that I think that a lot of in today's day and age people have a short attention span and if you know they're not getting wowed at least here or there you're gonna flip the channel uh, like you brought up softball the only time I watch women's softball is when Comcast accidentally labels it as something else and I keep flipping to it on ESPN <laughs> thinking it's something else and oh it's that women's game again I get stuck on it for like maybe uh, an inning or so but it's true uh, women's sports in in general, just it doesn't get the love it really deserves. Uh, these players are highly athletic; they're very skilled. And uh, I mean, WNBA. Uh, you know, I think a lot of those women—they're phenomenal basketball players. Uh, the WNBA suffers from its terrible marketing. From the, uh, just it, it was a league that was never, in my opinion, developed correctly, marketed correctly. And uh, I think you can see how the WNBA. I think the WNBA will be gone soon enough. It just—it's gonna collapse. You won't be able to. I mean, you already see the NBA having enough trouble in leagues all major league sports having trouble filling stadiums, arenas uh, the women's WNBA is going to go under soon enough they just won't be able to put the butts in the stands but I give it, those women some credit though oh without a doubt, I give them a ton I, of credit well I mean they're doing what they're loving but on top of it, if you watch some of these women's games, I maybe have seen like a half of one but even in high school or in college they just, they fight for that ball like oh, yeah. they're all over it and you know they're doing, they're doing what they love to do and they're working hard at it and they despite the attention they get they're still doing they're doing what they want to do no definitely and that's why you know we we you know we talked about it's funny we all kind of brought up and you know individually without talking to each other we're going to talk about the women's team today because that's something we haven't talked about and like i said i blame myself for not bringing up this team earlier with how well they were still doing 22 and 3 on top of the big 10 by half a game ahead of penn state 10 and 2 in the conference this team only has four games left they're gonna be playing northwestern february 17th then they're at illinois then against uh, ohio state and at minnesota to close out the year on february 27th so you know what keep track of this women's basketball team they play great basketball and have a chance at making a really deep run i think another problem with women's sports is if you want to blame, I blame the larger media market in, of ESPN and you know other you know main you know CBS other main sports uh, stations that the only time you talk about women's basketball is whether how many games UConn's women's team has won in a row or Pat Summon and how many wins she has. These are like the only two things you will hear on ESPN about women's women's college basketball and women's sports basically in general. You talk about one little caveat of something and you don't talk about it in you don't talk about the broader scheme of things mm-hmm. and I. I blame that to you know ESPN and all the bigger uh, media markets out there. I feel like if you want to blame the media, um, they're trying to gear more toward men. They feel like of course, men, yeah, without a doubt. Obviously, men are the majority of sports fans, and you've been seeing a lot of women emerge from it more and more. I mean, I have sports classes where half of it is now women and half of it's men. Like it's getting more and more, but still, they're trying to gear toward the men because they're the ones that'll you know tune in and watch the big game. Yeah. They're the ones that'll like tune in and watch like this, and that's what they want to see. They exactly. don't want to see women's. They want ratings. Right. You just said it. It's ratings. It's, it's all about money. Who's going to tune in to the women's game? And actually, you know what? I was very happy to see the Michigan Michigan State women's basketball game was on ESPN2 yesterday. It was on ESPN2. Mm -hmm. It was nationally televised, and that is good to see. 
that is a great start. Uh, here's a quote from Susie Merchant, who is the head coach of the women's basketball team. She says, quote, it was a national opportunity for us. I don't even know how, can, how you can look at Michigan State and say, I don't want to come there. Women's basketball is important at Michigan State, and it is special, end quote. And that is very true. Uh, Susie Merchant is a phenomenal coach, coach and uh, she's done a great job with this team this year. And I just want to congratulate the women's team on the season they've had so far and wish them the best for the season coming up. Uh, but we are going to move on right now to the men's team. Uh, the men's basketball team played on Thursday against the Penn State Nittany Lions uh, at the Breslin Center, a game which I already said I had boycotted. I will not. I would not watch. I did not watch. Um, you did say they'd win, though. Yeah, I did say they win, and I, I said they wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am very happy they won. This team won fi- uh, 75 to 57 in a very well played game. Finally, um, of course, the game I didn't watch when I decided to boycott them to play good. <laughs> Maybe you should just quit watching. I might. I don't know. I have to watch tomorrow though. Have to watch tomorrow. But um, Michigan State came out the gate strong, took a 15 to three lead, um, and you know they won. They did a really good job. Draymond Green, third triple double. In the history of Michigan State men's basketball, Charlie Bell and Magic Johnson are the only other Michigan State uh, college basketball players to have that uh, get that honor. And uh, well, Ma- Magic had it eight times. Okay, <laughs> once or twice. Just, yeah, just a few. He, he was okay at this game, I think. <laughs> yeah, All right. several plus several more for uh, Magic. But um, no, Draymond had a great game: uh, fifteen points, fourteen boards, eleven assists. Uh, great job by Draymond. Played a phenomenal game. He really deserves that. Too. Too. He how does. Hard. He's been working for this team through their low points. He really deserves that, and he yeah. worked for it. About four or five weeks ago, there's a there's a story on ESPN College Game Day, which is coming to Michigan State next week. But uh, they, they were talking about putting together the perfect player, and uh, what, one thing that they took from a Michigan State player was they took uh, Draymond Green's heart, because he never gives up. He always gives it his all. And I mean, anyone that watched that game last night. Or excuse me, I watched that game. Um, absolutely loved it because he dominated that game. He had seven assists at halftime. He made nine of nine um, free throws, and he 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 controlled that game. It was not Taylor Battle and you know Michigan State Spartans trying to keep him down. It was Draymond Green dominating that game. And big props to him. I think you know he's the reason why we won that game. And if this, this season wants to be turned around, this game needs to revolve around Draymond Green. He needs to take the like the, the way we won that game was we passed it to the post. And Dede would pass it out to the outside and take open shot. Or he'd make a move himself. Or he'd make a move and dish it to Delvon. I mean, the entire game, it was work it to Dede and then have him make something happen. Rather than putting it all on Kalen Lucas to take it to the hoop himself. It's a lot easier to take it to the hoop when the ballot ball is passed out to you and then you drive. Because yep. then the defense is turning around. Um, so I, I think if we play the way we should against Ohio State, we got a good chance of beating them. No, definitely. And, uh, you know, a nice article out of the Detroit Free Press. Uh, you know, basically Izzo, before the game on Thursday, took uh, Draymond Green into, you know, into the you know room to show him some highlight reels of what he did last season. And, you know, they showed him what he did. He showed, you know, Draymond, look, finding open shooters, tipping in rebounds, the rotation on defense, as you mentioned, you know, getting loose balls, rebounding, do the things that help your team to win games. And it obviously worked. Draymond played, like you said, with the heart that we all know that this kid has. He plays with more heart than any other player I've seen on this team. 
game in and game out, even if he looks a little dejected at times, it's because he's given everything he has. And I think he sometimes wonders if the other guys on that court are given as much as he is. Uh, again, Michigan State, they did the things they need to do. They shut down Taylor Battle. Taylor Battle, even though he had 19 points, he was only 7 for 20 from the field. Um, did a right, really good job against Taylor Battle. Uh, you know, they held Penn State to only shooting 41% from the field, 38% from three-point line. Michigan State finally found their finally found their strokes. Shot 52% from the field, which is fantastic. Um, you know, 38% from the three-point line, not bad at all. Very, you know, pretty decent. Uh, got to the line a lot. They shot 74%, but got to the line 35 attempts, which is great. Mm-hmm. Really penetrating. Really doing exactly what you're saying. Not relying on jump shooting. You see how well they shot the ball, but that that probably happened because, you know what? Shots became open. Guys, when guys mm-hmm. penetrate, shots get a little more open. Guys got to honor these guys driving to the, you know, driving in the paint. Again, out-rebounded the heck out of Penn State. 32 rebounds to 20. Killed them on the boards. Um, that is a huge stat right there. A lot of second-chance opportunities. 10 offensive rebounds. That's fantastic. They did, I mean, they had 11 turnovers. You'd like to see them limited a little bit more. Penn State only had six, but that is something that they have been working on a lot better this season. So, big game coming up on Tuesday, and let's get into that now. You already had mentioned it. Uh, They will be playing Ohio State this Tuesday at Ohio State. Now, Ohio State came off a tough loss uh, against Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. They lost to Wisconsin 71-67, to and they fell out of the number one spot, obviously. You know, you lose, you fall. Now, here's the question to you, Megan. What do you see coming up tomorrow for us against Ohio State? <sighs> All right. Um, I mean, I, I didn't see anything from this Ohio State-Wisconsin game. It was a close one, obviously. Um, yeah, it was a very close game. Um, I, I want to... I, all right. Okay. This is where I'm going to start. Um, All right. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Um, I mean, we beat, we beat Wisconsin. We did. Yep. And let's see. We lost to him pretty bad. It's anyone's game. We play like we did, you know, last week, like Dave was saying. Dave 2 over there. Um, <laughs> D2. D2. He, uh, we can do it. I mean, this is this this is the mentality I have right now. We can do it. Um, they're not the same team that I saw two weeks ago. They're they're really not. They're if they if they can keep up what they had last was it Thursday the tenth? Yes, Thursday. Okay, can't even remember. Um, <laughs> if they can keep up what they were doing last Thursday, penetrate, work like work. The, that was some of the best defense oh, yeah. I have ever seen from the Spartans this season. Well, this season, and um. I, it's awesome. That's how you stop teams. You Maybe this contributes part of it, but all my coaches growing up always said defense wins games. Boards yeah. wins games, too, but defense is the main contrib- like contributor to winning games. And if they can do that, they can stop the ball, they can do the steals, they can limit their turnovers, all that kind of stuff, the things they've been working on, get it down low. And at, finally, Kalen Lucas's threes are starting to fall. He was four for seven. Instead of like zero or like two for like twelve or thirteen, yeah, he's like got he's shoot normally a lot done. I, I I see it happening, and it would be that would be one of the the probably the best win we've had this season if they can do it. Oh, if we can beat Ohio State, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you this: I watched that Ohio State Wisconsin game. Um, Ohio State's the better team. They they will go deeper in uh, March than Wisconsin will. Wisconsin was playing at home. They shot um, six of eight from the three-point line to open up the second half and really bring it down. And, uh, you know, Ohio State, they were playing good defense, and Wisconsin was just out of their minds shooting, out of their minds. Um, and the reason why they won that game is three-point shooting. It was, it was ironic because 
um, Duke Vitale, Dick Vitale, um, on the TV said that, you know, in order for Wisconsin to come back in this game, at that, this point they were down 15, 10, 15 or so, so they're going to have to hit some three-point shots. And right on schedule, um, Jordan Taylor just nails a three, and he hits the next three, three I think, mm-hmm. uh, shots he took. Just completely, all, you know, all that. It was unbelievable the way they were shooting. And if they play Ohio State nine more times, they'll lose nine more times. No, I mean, I definitely agree. Ohio State's the better team. I, um, I saw some of this game, and, uh, you know, from what you were saying, it had a lot of similarities, not in how close the game was, but the way Wisconsin played, the way they played against us, they shot out of their minds when they played Michigan State as well the week, the Sunday, last Sunday. The Jordan Taylor was phenomenal. Again, they shot great from the three-point line. They shot almost 58% from the field. Um, just on fire. Ohio State is the better team. Sometimes a team just catches fire in a half or the whole game, and you just can't shut them down. Ohio State was not going to go undefeated this whole season. I did not believe that for a second. This is college basketball, and home court is bigger in college basketball than any sport out there. Okay, it just it is. Okay, Ohio State, I was hoping Ohio State was going to beat Wisconsin. I say that for the reason that I think Ohio State is pretty upset right now. And if they would have beaten Wisconsin, I mean, I know this is these are assumptions I'm making, okay, but I do have the belief that when a team like Ohio State gets beat, okay, for the first time or maybe their second time ever in the season, okay, now they're playing Michigan State at home, they have something to prove. Even though they don't have as much to prove as they should, they're 24-1, and they're going to want to show their fans, listen, yeah, we lost one, but we're not losing anymore. Okay, we are the better. We're the best team in the Big Ten, and we're going to come out. And Michigan State needs to match that intensity that entire game. They need to not lax, not get lax at all for that whole game. They need to play with as much fire and as much guts as Ohio State is going to play with, because this is going to be the toughest game Michigan State has played all year. Hands down, tougher than Duke, tougher than Texas, tougher than Syracuse, tougher than all those games. Ohio State is their test. Okay, Ohio. They beat Ohio State. They automatically will get into the tournament. I will guarantee you that. They beat Ohio State. This team will make the tournament for sure. They lose to Ohio State. That's not the end of the Spartans. We'll see how they lose. You see how they play against them. That goes in to the voters. That goes in to how all this goes down. There's only six games left for the Spartans right now. Okay, Tuesday at Ohio State, Saturday, game day here here at Michigan State against Illinois. And I'll have D2 talk about this in a second. After that, we're at Minnesota, home against Purdue, home against Iowa, and to close the season out at Michigan, March 5th. There's not too much time left in this season. Two and a half weeks, three weeks max, if you want to count it. Not a lot of time left. What can the Spartans do? 14 and 10, 6 and 6 in the conference. Okay, right now you got Illinois also at 6 and 6 in the conference. They're 16 and 9 overall. Uh, rounding out the top of the Big Ten, Ohio State, Purdue, Wisconsin, then Illinois, Michigan State. Michigan State needs to beat Illinois, Minnesota, Iowa, and Michigan. I will accept losses against Purdue and against Ohio State. I will accept those losses. Purdue is a better team than us. And if they sweep us again this year, I understand it. They are a better team. They need to win those other games. Now, I want Dave, D2, I want you to talk about what you were telling me earlier about game day and this upcoming Saturday. Um, absolutely. Games at 9 p.m. on ESPN's featured game on Saturday night. We were playing the Illinois Fighting Illini. And uh, I-, I want everybody, every Michigan State fan, to go on ESPN right now and search Michigan State Spartans. And you will find a video of Reese Davis pumping everybody up 
for College Game Day. You know, he mentioned that, um, you know, in this business, in sports journalism, you're not supposed to take any sides or anything. But he says, uh, you know, as many of you may know, I'm from Flint. I've lived in Flint, Michigan. And he said, I I've grown, you know, a certain liking to these Michigan State Spartans. And he said, I gave up on them last week. And he said, this is the opportunity for the Izone and Michigan State fans to come out on Saturday, get there early, start screaming, and just bring up the atmosphere. He said, do not give up on this team. He said, this is your team, and this is your opportunity to change the season around. Right now we're struggling. Like Dave said, 14-10 and 10 doesn't sound very good. We are not a tournament team right now. We come out, we beat Ohio State. I'll tell you right now, we may not be as good a team as against Purdue, but if we beat Ohio State, we will beat Purdue. That is going to happen. If we beat Ohio State, I'd give us a 90% chance of you know, sweeping everybody else. Yeah, they and could run the table easily if they beat Ohio State. But it all starts um, at 9 p.m. on Tuesday. But right after that, everyone's got to come out, get to the Breslin Center early, doors open at 8 a.m. If we have everybody there at 6.30... They're gonna to have to start rolling the cameras because oh, they will because it's gonna get it's gonna get a little raunchy and it's gonna be fun and I know I'm gonna be there I'm gonna drag everybody I can there I'm gonna get my brother up from Detroit and we're gonna go crazy and everyone listening right now needs to be there it's free it's gonna be fun and you get to yell at Digger Phelps which is always fun because <laughs> I in case you're not familiar with the Digger Phelps history he used to be the used to be a head ball coach at uh, Notre Dame for the basketball team when Notre Dame didn't have a basketball team. And uh, there was there was a year that they played Michigan State, and Notre Dame was, like, number one. They were very, very well-ranked, and Michigan State came in, and they, they, they beat them. And uh, it was I think it was an overtime thriller, and I think, I think Digger Phelps is still, still... Still reeling from that? Still reeling from that, and every single opportunity he can. Last year, he, he picked us against every single team. He picked us against uh, New... I think he even picked us against New Mexico. He just doesn't like us. He, he picked us against... Uh, uh, I, was it Northern Iowa, uh, Tennessee... Maryland. Every, every opportunity he can, he tries to put us down. So everyone needs to get there and completely smash him. All right, so right now, Megan, Tuesday, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Give me a winner. Win or lose. Ooh. <laughs> We're doing this after I said it was anyone's game. Um, <laughs> that's right, because that's too up in the air. Jeez. That's right. All right, you do this to me all the time. Yep. Um, I'm going to do it to D2 as well. I mean, yeah. win or lose. You don't have to give me a score. This is basketball. I don't need a score. Just give me, you know, win, lose, <laughs> close game. You can tell me double digit win or loss, something like that. I think it's going to be close. All right. I do. So you're seeing a single digit win or loss? Uh, yeah, somewhere around there. Um, that's that's saying that they play the way they did Thursday. That's saying that that team comes out not the team that came out two weeks ago. Well, um, definitely. Yeah. So, so do I, you think that do you think that team on Thursday is going to be the team showing up in Columbus I, against these Buckeyes? I sure hope so. <laughs> I sure hope so. And we we can't sit here and you know tell them they need to do this because obviously they're going to be their own team. But they play like they did Thursday. I see Michigan State winning. All right, D two. You know what? I gotta say, um, you know, I, I may be a, you know, a little bit more optimistic than everybody else out there, but I, I think we're gonna win. It's gonna come down to stopping Jared Sullinger, the phenomenal Ohio State freshman, and dominating the boards. Because if we can win the boards, that means they're not gonna have second chance opportunities for those shooters. You're not gonna have Deblish firing up threes all the day, open threes. And if we can win the boards, we will win the game by eight points. Okay. Uh, for me, 
Uh. <laughs> Are you going to be the Debbie Downer in the corner? I'm going to be Debbie realistic. Uh, I think, uh, listen, I would love to see Michigan State win this game. Uh, I know they, 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 they beat Penn State well. They, they played them good. They really did. They did a good job against them Thursday at the Breslin. But, again, I, I think you need to keep it in context when it comes to a win after you've been struggling. I think – as fans and even as players and as coaches, you get really excited after a big win. I mean, if you look at Cleveland after they, you know, they, they won against, uh, gosh, who did they play again? I'm trying to, on Friday, you know, Cleveland snapped their 26 game losing streak. Okay. It looked like they had won the championship. The fans, the confetti, everyone was excited. And that is exciting and that's great. It was great to see Michigan State finally get off the schneid, you know, beating Penn State. But again, it's a game they should have won. They were at home against Penn State. Penn State is not Wisconsin. They're not Illinois. They're not Minnesota. They're not one of these, you know, upper echelon teams in the Big Ten. It was a great win. I do think Michigan State is going to play them close. I think they will play Ohio State close. But when it comes down to it, I do think that Jaron Sullinger is one of the is the best player actually in the NCAA oh, yeah. this year. And I just think that that team is. They're a bigger. They're just a better team overall. I'm not. I don't think they're better coached, but I think they're just a better team. I think they're ready for their moment this year. Twenty four and one. They're ready. It's going to be a close right. game. I, I got a question for you then. Yeah. Realistically, coming for the realistic approach, what does Michigan State need to do to beat Ohio State? If they do this, they will win the game. If well, they shut down Jared Sullinger, if they stop... Well, because that's the thing. It's, it's not one thing. I don't believe you can put it into one thing. I agree. Okay. I mean, yes, they need to out-rebound them. You need to win the war on the boards. You need to shut down their best player in Sullinger. Okay? You need to do what you haven't done and have good perimeter defense, not get beat on the three-point line like you have earlier in the season by teams like Wisconsin and teams like Iowa and getting burned on the arc. You can't have that. They need to... I mean, it's there's so many things you can say. I mean, I think it's really the basics. Look how they play against Penn State, translate that into Ohio State. You need to play that kind of basketball. Move the ball well. 15 assists against Penn State. Move the ball well. Penetrate. You got to the line 35 times. You usually see the Spartans getting there around 13, 14 times a game. They need to be aggressive. They need to be, you know, they need to be fierce. They can't be tentative. That crowd's going to be loud. That tra- crowd is going to be boisterous. They need to keep their composure, keep their heads in the game, not get upset with themselves if they are down in this game. Okay, Wisconsin was down against Ohio State, but they kept their composure and they came out in that second half on fire michigan state needs to keep a level head if they can do that they have a shot at winning the game you overall know, i don't think they will you know what important note will be uh delvon rose questionable for tomorrow he is questionable and that's going to be huge because i felt like he was going to be the key to stopping jared sullinger yeah he's our best defender and um i hope um right now Isla doesn't know if he can play any minutes or 20 minutes he's not sure uh what they're saying is that the mri scan came back he's not torn anything it really looks like a, a bruised bone bruised muscle in his knee so it really is always saying it depends on the how tolerable the pain is for delvon Rowe. and he needs to be effective even if he can tolerate the pain you don't want a guy out there that's just a step too slow because then you're just going to get burned still you gotta you have to replace him but um real fast i just want to give a breakdown of the top 10 for the ap and the in college basketball that came out today uh kansas has now jumped to the number one spot uh texas now the new number two ohio state has fallen to three Pitt four duke five san diego state six notre dame seven byu eight georgetown nine and wisconsin has jumped to 10th so, 
Not much has changed in basically four through nine, but there have been some changes. Again, Kansas and Texas on top, the top two. But we are going to take a quick break. When we get back, talk a little Tiger Spring training that kicked off today in Lakeland, Florida. Little Pistons news. We're going to get to some Red Wings. And here, here's a quick question for you guys listening right now. Fights in the NHL. Do you like fighting? Do you not like fighting? Should they ban it? What do you think? Give me a call later d- during the show. 517-432-3893. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on Impact Exposure. You're listening to Impact Exposure. here Th- thanks again man it was good wait time. you were uh you were hitting it pretty hard tonight are you, are you good to drive heck yeah i am amazing at driving yeah man you sure i mean i can call a cab or we fine. can uh, we can get somebody to take you home yeah, you know? yeah don't worry i'm good okay uh hey text me when you get back okay stop right there this is stupid he's drunk friends don't let friends drink and drive ever a message from 88.9 impact for more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Prime where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Friday nights from 8 until 10 p.m., the Impact Flashback is your retro music alternative, playing your old favorites from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Only on Impact Primetime. In a world where radio was repetitive and mundane, in a time when FM is played by the same 15 songs, an army of new songs are called to battle. And only the strongest survive. Every Sunday night from 8 till 10. Sit or spin. Only on Impact 89 FM. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on Impact Exposure. Dave, D2, and Megan here with you. And, uh, yeah, who is D2? Is Emilio here? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're going to get to Little Tigers real fast. Um, I'm very excited for baseball season kicking off. Uh, Baseball, one of my favorite sports, definitely. Uh, Kicking off uh, March 31st is opening day for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, They will be playing against the New York Yankees to open up their their season. And uh, opening day at Comerica. Park will be April 8th against the Kansas City Royals. So circle that calendar on your date if you want, because I know I am. I'm going to definitely try and get down there for opening day. Have never been to an opening day. Would love to see it. Uh, it would be phenomenal. I believe actually on opening day they are going to be retiring Sparky Anderson's jersey as well, mm-hmm. his number as well. So that should be probably that would be a fantastic day at the park. Hopefully the weather is good. Because you never know in Michigan, April could be 60, could be 44. You don't know. But um, actually today, pitchers and catchers reported for spring training in good old Lakeland, Florida. And uh, Mr. Jim Leland in his 49th year in in Major League Baseball. 49th year. He wasn't signed. I guess he says he wasn't signed with Baltimore, but he went down with Baltimore in 1963 to start his whole career here in the major in Major League Baseball. And um, actually, one of his uh, one of his good friends, um, Chuck Tanner, uh, passed away uh, this last weekend. Uh, Chuck Tanner used to he was manager of uh, Pittsburgh, and uh, you know he was a good guy. 
Uh, also, uh, Earl Weaver was, uh, again, a guy that you know was with uh, Jim Leland for a while. He, uh, Weaver became a Hall of Fame manager with Baltimore, lost twice in the World Series in seven games to Pittsburgh, and the second time came in 1979 to Tanner's Pirates. Um, Tanner was, uh, de- was good friends with Jim Leland, and um, you know Leland was Tanner's uh, successor as the Pirates manager back then, and you all, we all know the success that Jim Leland had with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates back then. And uh, one of Tanner's sons actually spoke spoke to Jim and said, quote, uh, actually, well, one of Tanner's sons, he relayed a message to Jim, excuse me, from his ailing father before his father passed away. And uh, Tanner said, quote, you tell Jim Leland to get his butt to spring training and don't even think about coming up here for the service, end quote. And that's what Jim did. Jim and them, they were great friends for a long time. And he's down in spring training and honoring his good friend's wishes. And you know, Jim's excited. I guess he showed up at 545 down there. He's ready to go. He says, quote, I'm excited, no question about it. The players are in good spirits, and I hope they're as excited as I am. And same as me. I'm excited. Are you guys excited for baseball? Oh, I'm pumped. Uh, everyone that knows me knows that I'm a huge Tigers fan. Um, starts with Verlander, and it goes right down to Action Jackson. Action Jackson. I, I love them all. I'm really excited about this year. Um, Peralta going to be on for the full year. I know we got him at the end of last year, and I was, I was, I really liked him. Mm-hmm. Um, but even more impressive, biggest acquisition of the summer, Victor Martinez. Fantastic. Oh man, it's going to be nice having someone at catcher getting able to hit the ball. Yeah, finally. Oh man, it's not. It's you know, Laird, love him, uh, but he's not Victor Martinez. Victor Martinez is one of the premier offensive catchers in the game. And uh, I, I think, you know, the, the first part of last year, it was we couldn't get any pitching. The second, after the All-Star break, we couldn't get anybody hitting yeah. except for Cabrera. Exactly. Um, I'm hoping that the pitching um, will at least be able to, you know, hold off um, with our offensive attack. When you have Cabrera, Martinez, or Donez, it's going to be a real tough middle lineup. It's going to be incredibly tough, and um, I think you just said it. You know, pitching, uh, it was what, you know, did us great in the, you know, first half, uh, you know, uh, actually more or less the second half of the season because the first half of the season was our bats that were really uh, helping us out. But uh, the bullpen's looking good this year. Uh, Joel Zumaya uh, actually was the first guy to pitch with Victor Martinez today. And Victor Martinez was quoted as saying, quote, the ball was just jumping out of his hand. It was the first time I've caught him, and the ball was loud, end quote. Um, that is a nice little combo to see. Uh, Zumaya is bas- they're basically thinking that Zumaya is looking like he did in 06. Uh, Zumaya is looking fantastic. Jim Leland is very excited for how uh, Zumaya has been recovering from his uh, his injury. Uh, you know, Dave Dombrowski says that they're just hoping that this kid's going to finally have some good luck. And if this kid can stay healthy, he's not even a kid anymore. The guy's 26, but still, if he can stay healthy, that you know, like Megan, you brought up 06. What happened in 06? We made it to the World Series. Oh, I was like, where are we? You're like, what? Are we still talking about injuries? I was so confused for a second. No, but yes, in 06, Zumaya. You know, big reason that we had such a nice run. You know, it was a fantastic pitcher for us. And I mean, obviously a lot of other reasons for that 06 run. But uh, Zumaya, he looks to be happy. Uh, You know, he's he's quoted as saying, quote, I have such a big smile on my face because my secondary pitches were lights out today. I wish I was actually throwing in a game today. He is ready to go. And, uh, you know, what the good thing about Zumaya is, is that he's finally not trying to just 
throw the ball faster and faster and faster. Because as you know, people have always said, last you know, in 06, his three pitches, I guess, were fast, faster, and fastest. <laughs> but now, like he said, he's been working on some slow some off speed pitches, secondary pitches for himself, you know, some good breaking balls, change ups that he's working on that are getting better. And uh it looks like he's look he's primed to have a good season. You always like to see a good uh, good chemistry between a catcher and a pitcher, no matter who they are, whether it's a bullpen guy, a starter, and uh it's gonna be a very exciting season to come up. Uh, that's all we really can say right now, but uh, as any more developments arise, we'll keep you posted. But uh, we're going to move on to the Detroit Pistons real fast. Well, not real fast. I have a few things to talk about the Pistons. <laughs> Just a few. Alright, with the Pistons. The Pistons actually played yesterday against the Portland Trail Blazers at Detroit, and they lost 105-100. to um, It was a game I watched. I watched the entire game, and it seemed to have the feel of a lot of Piston games this year. This team is not as bad as their record. They always give you a good... It kind of remind me of the Lions of this season. They give you competitive games. They give you some close games, three quarters worth, three and a half quarters worth. But then when it really gets down to it, they break down, whether it's the final minute, it's the final 30 seconds, it's the final five minutes of the fourth quarter. They just can't seem to figure it out. Um, and this game was even a little bit more frustrating for me with just how poorly that final 55 seconds was run. It was the most... It was the it was so poorly coached. I will blame Kuster for most of this. I think Kuster doesn't know what he's doing out there to a large degree with really taking care of his guys. Um, the Pistons were only down by a basket. Okay, they had the ball with fifty four point two seconds left. They're down by I mean they were down by a point, um, three points. Excuse me. It was ninety nine ninety six. Let's get it all correct before I start going on about this. It was ninety nine ninety six. Okay, they had the ball with 54 seconds. They had a lot of time on the shot clock, ton of time to go. And instead, with 12 seconds left on the shot clock, Austin Dade throws up a hail mary three pointer that air balls. And with 22 seconds left, we have to foul him before you know it. Obviously, now it's a five point game. Instead of trying to go for the quick two, so trying to get that quick basket and play the possession game, which is what you should do in basketball, you're not forced to take a three at that moment. Austin Day throws up a crap, just a horrible three-point shot. And the frustration broke out after the game. Assistant coach, Kuster, not getting along. Stucky bewildered why he's being put in the game and Will Bynum's being coming out when Stucky's been sitting the whole fourth quarter. This team has dissension. But we want to get beyond that. We want to get to the more important stuff. This team might be sold soon. This team might be sold really soon. And that is something that is very important Okay, for the Detroit Pistons. Tom Gores, who is the man who's on the precipice right now of buying the Detroit Pistons. Him and Karen Davidson. Now, a story broke last week that was false out of the Detroit Free Press. It said that, you know, Tom Gores has bought the Detroit Pistons. No, he has not. Okay, he's just close to buying them. Okay, they've extended negotiation periods 14 days. Okay, they're getting much closer to finally working out a deal. Now, this deal includes the Palace of Auburn Hills, DTE Energy Theater, Music Theater, and uh, Meadowbrook. Okay, it, in- it includes a lot of venues. Okay, it's a huge deal. They're reportedly worth possibly $420 million, but that has not been finalized yet. Okay, Tom Gores was in town last Thursday uh, for the basketball game. 
Uh, nice to see Tom Gores in town. Uh, Tom Gores, again, for all you that don't know who he is, he is from the Flint area. He's a native of the state. He's a billionaire. He's from law. He's a Los Angeles financier. And, uh, you know, he has a lot of money. $2.4 billion is what he is worth. Um, I see that if he buys his team, there should be no reason that the owners of the NBA have any problem with this man owning the team. Uh, that should go through very quickly. Um, it, it will not be close to the same as when Mikhail Prokhorov, who's the owner of the New Jersey Nets, that took eight months to get through. And that is because he was a Russian billionaire and it was a foreign kind of thing and they had a lot to kind of check out. But with Tom Gores, just real fast, I want to ask Dave and Megan here. Um, you know, you guys read about this guy to a degree. You kind of know who he is. You know where he's from. Uh, what do you think about, A, this deal getting done very soon, and B, this guy buying the team? Um, first, Sorry, first off the bat, I would say I'm, I'm happy that we're going to have an owner that cares. Um, you know, whenever you have a new team that's being purchased, um, I, I feel like I'm excited because, you know, Davidson, you know, rest in peace. Towards the end, I don't think he was caring as much about the NBA. I mean, he may have cared about the Pistons, but it might just be that check that was coming in. Uh, I don't think Karen David- Davidson cares that much, so it'll be. That's nice why to- she's want. Yeah, that's why yeah. she wants to sell. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, I just feel like it- it'll be nice because um, I feel like this is someone coming in from LA to Detroit that'll make it even more. Like, it'll be a cool place to be and uh that that's important not only for the city but the state of michigan because when detroit's a cool place to be michigan's a cool place to be it'll be great for the image and uh i love it i hope it gets done sooner rather than later no definitely megan your thoughts i'm about to say it's it's gosh darn time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um how long we've we been talking about since like what september october uh no I, we've been talking about we talking about in august august okay august like mike illich rumored to be behind the pistons i know right and you know okay i don't know a whole lot about this guy I mean, he has a lot of money. That's all you pretty much told me. He's from Flint native, you know, Michigan. Michigan. Went, you know, Michigan State graduate. Good. I mean, good for him. And it's good to have someone here who's from Michigan, who knows the state, who knows what people want. Obviously, I mean, he has a lot of money to prove that. And I mean, good. I like I said, it's about it's about time. And I I think it'll be good for the program to finally have instead of being up in the air about everything to finally you know have some concrete like thing to work on. Um, because, you know, it's been, oh, who's going to buy them? We've had, like, three or four different buyers, potential buyers, and now we actually might have one. I hope it gets done quickly, too. No, definitely. I agree with both of you. Uh, this need, this needs to get done. Uh, this team has been living in a state of purgatory uh, the entire season. They they were trying to get – they thought – Karen Davidson said that he, she thought they could get this team sold before the season started, which is a farce. It, it wasn't even close. Uh, the 30-day no- negotiation period with uh, Mike Illich completely fell through. And, uh, you know, we had – I thought I had no idea when this team was finally get uh, was finally going to get sold. Uh, it was nice to see the story that broke uh, last week about Tom Gores actually being at the palace, watching this team, you know, sitting down and talking a little more intimately about getting this done. Again, there's a 14 day window that they've extended. Uh, they're really getting close. There's just it's a lot of contracts. It's a lot of negotiation. There's a lot at stake here. You can't expect it just to be. It's not like you're buying a hamburger. Okay, it's not going to be a, some quick purchase. It will take time but it does seem that Tom Gores is very interested I believe that he is a Michigan man that he does understand what this state what that city wants what the fans want he's not moving this team and I think that was my biggest concern always is bringing in some hot shot from who knows where that wants to move the team to a different state I would have lost it 
But, you know, thank God, Karen Davidson, because Bill Davidson, you know, Mr. D, he loved this town. He loved his team. It was his baby. And, uh, you know, that's what Karen Davidson's basically said, that that was my husband's, you know, that was my husband's child in a sense. And, you know, once he passed, it was time to move this team on to somebody else. And Tom Gores seems to be a very fitting choice. And, again, I think you brought up a good point, Dave, in the fact that he is from Beverly Hills, Los Angeles. He's been living out there. Maybe he can give this team a little bit more Flash a little bit more pizzazz that I think this team has lacked for a while. We've always been a blue-collar team, and I want us to stay a blue-collar team, but in the same way, whether it's marketing, whether it's different promotional ideas, anything it might be, something to snazz these Pistons up. Just something. I mean, I don't want to mean to change the colors, but maybe even a little different jersey design. Just something. You never know. Different ideas. You need different people in there to create different ideas for teams at times. I think a lot of teams can get stunk. I mean, you know, sunk down in just tradition and just what the things have been, how things have been done for so long. And it's nice to see this guy's young. He's not that old. He's like 41. He's a very young guy still, as rich as he is. I mean, like I said, $2.4 billion. Hopefully we can see an actual breaking story out of the Detroit Free Press. That's correct. Uh, but not to do- I love the Detroit Free Press. I'm not dogging Detroit Free Press. I just was upset when I read this article, and then a day later it's retracted. I just, I'm a journalism guy, and that upsets me. Like, who, you know, don't break a story unless you're positive about it. But uh, real fast, uh, Detroit Pistons are going to retire Dennis Rodman's jersey. Uh, they will be retiring Dennis Rodman's jersey on April 1st when they play the Chicago Bulls, um, which is a fantastic, that's a fantastic thing. I really want to get down there for this. Haven't been to a Pistons game yet this year. Um, as uh, I think any basketball fan really knows, Dennis Rodman spent a lot of time with the Bulls as well as the Pistons. Uh, Dennis Rodman came into the league in 1986 with the Detroit Pistons. He was drafted 27th overall, won back-to-back championships in 89 and 90 with the, with the Bad Bulls. Boys, the real bad boys, not the bad boys of 2004. Those are not the bad boys, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Different kind of bad. Yeah, a little completely different. Um, he's a fantastic defender. Obviously, we all remember him for his rebounding. He averaged 8.8 points, 11 and a half rebounds, and 1.3 assists while shooting 54% from the field in almost 550 games as a Detroit Piston. Um, he's a guy that will be remembered here as the worm and as the worm everywhere. He's a character. He's married in himself he colors his hair any color he feels like but i love the guy yes he's got his problems who doesn't okay he was a great guy for the pistons um yes he didn't leave on the best terms but chuck daly was his guy and when chuck daly left this team he just did not want to be here and uh you know i I, you know, I, I never really liked maybe the way he did it necessarily, sleeping in his truck bed outside in a parking lot during practice with a shot. You know, just crazy Dennis Rodman kind of stuff. He was trying to get his butt shipped out of town, okay? But nonetheless, I think it's going to be a, a nice honor uh, for the Pistons. Uh, you know, Rodman also has played. He played uh, for the Bulls, the Lakers, and the Mavericks, and the Spurs as well. So he's played with a lot of teams. The man has five rings. Um, you know, he's been a great benefit to the NBA. Uh, maybe one cameraman might not think the same. But, you know, he he still, yeah, you know, the family jewels hurt still a little bit from that one. But no, he's a he's a fantastic player. And it's nice to see him being honored Um, real fast. Just a quick question for you guys Uh, out of the group of Pistons from 2003, 2004, out of all those Pistons, who do you think eventually should be have their jersey retired as a Piston? If any, I mean, just your personal opinion. Out of that group of guys, does anybody? Because in my opinion, when you retire jerseys, it needs to be greatness, right? Oh, yeah. It needs to be not just you were a good player, not just you won one championship. It needs to be greatness. Who? You guys, tell me right now, Megan. 
Chauncey Billups. Chauncey? Chauncey. Um, how devastated would do you think the state of Michigan, and maybe not the nation because, you know, he moved on to a different team, but yeah. the state of Michigan was when he, he left. Like, yeah. he made such an impact on the team, and everyone thought that the team wouldn't be the same, and I think that since then, the team hasn't been the same. No, the team definitely hasn't. And I, I think he's he was a great leader. He was a great player. He was, you know, and he just kind of, I think he, he was like the glue for the team, almost. He, he ran the team, almost like the, the, the five starters, you know, the fabulous five we had out there. Mm -hmm. And I, I think he's, he's probably one of the greatest things to come in a while. To Pistons basketball. Okay, so Billups, anyone else off that uh, 03 04 team? Or, <laughs> um, I mean, you don't have, listen, I mean, I only really, I only have like one name really, so. Right, I mean, I mean there's, a, everyone contributed the same way. I just felt like he was the best. I mean, you can look at Ben Wallace. Um, he came back, and that's awesome. And I, I just think, you know, Billups is probably the best. I do love Rip Hamilton. He's, he's my, He's my piston if we want to go with the whole Hoosier Tiger thing. Um, but obviously, he, he's not going to be here much longer. But I'm, I feel like it was it was a team effort. And like we've said before, a while back, uh, it was it was the team that did it. We weren't we didn't have the gr the greatest superstars. We didn't have you know the best people on the team. But we all worked together as a team, and that's why they won the championship that year. Definitely. All right, D two. Um, whose jersey are you raising to the band to the rafters? You know what. I, I'm not much of a jersey raiser myself. Um, I do feel like it was a team effort. Um, but if I had to pick a couple, I think um, when you think of when we're going to be looking back on Ben Wallace, we will consider him a piston. Um, I loved Chauncey Billups, but I don't know if he's going to have that same um, that same view. Um, Rip, Rip Hamilton, uh, close second, very close second. I feel like he is. Um, right there, he, he's what made this team successful. Um, Tayshawn Prince, too young to tell for now. He wins another if he wins a championship with the Pistons again, absolutely. Um, but I, you know, looking back, it, it's tough to point out one player. I think that's what made the team so special was that it was a complete team effort. And any given night, it was one person or the other. Um, whereas like Tayshawn could go 25 points one night and just 10 the next. I mean, it was, it was just there was such parity just amongst the team. So, um, it, you know, if I had to choose one, definitely uh, Big Ben. Um, close second would be Rip Hamilton. Number three would be Ben Wallace. You know, we haven't brought up Rashid yet, but um, he give him a lot of credit. He he gave us some newspapers, that's for sure. Yeah, he did. Um, but uh, you know, even even now, I still think of him more as a Portland Trailblazer than I do a Piston or a Celtic. Well, definitely. And I mean, I think what we have to remember is the players that have here are the players that Detroit Pistons have you know retired. Okay, they retired Dave Bing, Bob Lanier, Dennis Rodman, Bill Lambeer, Isaiah Thomas. And Joe Dumars, that's it. There's there's nobody else. There's nobody else. Oh, and Vinny Johnson, excuse me, can't forget uh, VJ and his amazing shot against Portland back in. <sighs> oh, that's what he's known for. Okay, yeah. and he, I even question Vinny Johnson being right, his number retired as a Piston. He was more of a guy off the bench. Um, still, uh, you know, a great catalyst. But again, I'm with Dave in the fact that it takes a lot to retire a number. It takes a lot. It takes longevity with the team. And I think that's the reason that Billups falls short with me. I think it not in, and this isn't Billups' fault. Okay, Billups was one of the, you know, he was a fantastic piston while he was with us. Almost won us back-to-back, -back, did win a title. Was he here long enough? No. He was not with this team probably long enough to get his jersey retired. He just wasn't. And again, that's not Billups' fault, 
but he wasn't with the Pistons long enough. Rip Hamilton, a fantastic Piston. Again, the problem is the way he's going to go out as a Piston will leave him not having his jersey retired as well. You need to usually even try and leave on good terms. If he would have played with a few more seasons with the Pistons, I think his jersey would be retired as a Piston. That's not going to happen now. Not with the whole circus act that's going on with Q Stern and Hamilton. I'm sorry it won't happen. Ben Walls is my guy that I will retire his number as a Piston. Yes, he did his stints in Cleveland. He did his stints in Chicago. But he came back to Detroit. He's a Piston. He was, he is the reason that this team got as far as they did, in my opinion, back then. Defensive player of the year twice in a row, almost three times in a row. This guy got it done night in and night out. To Tayshawn Prince. Needs to play longer. You can't say he's a free agent at the end of this year. If he re-signs with Detroit and plays with us for another five, six seasons, he, like you said, maybe wins a championship, maybe takes us on some deep runs, becomes the leader, the captain of this team, then yes, Prince, yes, he will be considered for that, you know, for that honor. But like you said, Dave, way too soon to tell. You can't tell right now. And uh, unfortunately, we have to skip one of my favorite topics because we just kept talking. I'm going to take this topic to next week, though, uh, about the NHL and fighting because that's not going away. There'll be a lot more to talk about with that. I want to throw one thing in there real quick because we totally skipped it. Oh, yeah, do that. Do that. Um, Terrence Samuel, um, offensive coordinator for the Chippewas, um, has moved on to replace Don Treadwell, who was named the head coach at uh, Miami of Ohio. And... I don't know. They just they announced it. You know, they announced no, it's it great. Friday, and it's great that we have you know another concrete coach keeping it there. in state, Absolutely. right? So I'll, I also want to give a call out. You know, we, we don't really talk about NASCAR here, but I, 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 if you're ever gonna watch NASCAR, make sure it's this weekend, the Daytona Five. Um, D five, definitely the Super. And we'll talk about the Daytona Five Hundred on Monday for sure. Um, it does seem to be a very interesting race. They repaved uh, the track finally at Daytona after so many years. Uh, should be a fast race. Should be exciting. And I'm not in the NASCAR at all, but it is something that I can get into. Oh, yeah. That race, uh, real fast. We're gonna do the interesting facts. And since it's Valentine's Day and everyone's uh, got their lovers out there and their children, mushy? I am. I took my daughter out on a date Saturday, and that was a ton of fun. Applebee's. She's a cheap day too. Mac and cheese. And apple juice cost me like five bucks. Uh, but uh, uh, real fast, we do some Valentine's Day uh, fun facts, uh, some superstitions and just facts. About one billion Valentine's Day cards are exchanged in the U.S. each year. It's the largest seasonal card sending occasion of the year. Second to I mean, first to Christmas. I mean, Christmas is second. OK, uh, women purchase 85 percent of all Valentine's. <laughs> which, you call it a which does not surprise me. All right, let's see. In order of popularity, in popularity, Valentine's Day cards are given to teachers first, children second, mothers, wives, then sweethearts, and finally pets. So it's probably teachers and students because they do the Valentine's Day cards at school. Exactly. So each teacher gets a bunch of Valentines. Ooh. All right, parents receive one out of every five Valentines. Nah, eh, whatever. <laughs> Love you, Mom. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, love you, Mom. Uh, 73% of people who buy flowers for Valentine's Day are men, while only 27% are women. Okay. <laughs> well, that makes a ton of sense, without a doubt. Okay. In some countries, a young woman may receive a gift of clothing from a prospective suitor. If the gift is kept, then it means she has accepted his proposal of marriage. Oh. Would you trust some sweater that your boyfriend gave you? Like, I'm going to marry him now. It's a nice looking Ooh. sweater. <laughs> Talk <laughs> about Rocky. Tie in the knot, guys. Rocky. Yep. Now, here, That's how you get Megan. Here are some fantastic Valentine's Day superstitions. So listen carefully, ladies. If an apple is cut in half, the number of seeds found inside the fruit will indicate the number of children that you will, in, that you will eventually have. <laughs> 
Okay. Which there's a lot of seeds in an apple, so I wouldn't cut an apple open, honestly. No. I don't want like 12 kids. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, to be awoken by a kiss on Valentine's Day is considered lucky. That makes sense. Okay. I think I got kissed any day when I was awoken by a kiss. It'd be nice. Well, let's see. If you, could, if, you find, uh, let's see if you find a glove on the road on Valentine's Day, your future beloved will have the other missing glove. Oh. Hopefully not OJ. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, on Valentine's Day, the first guy's name you read in the paper or hear on the TV or radio will be the name of the man you will marry. Hmm. Careful what you watch. If you see a squirrel on Valentine's Day, you will marry a a cheapskate who will hoard all your money. Sorry, ladies. You live in East Lansing. There's a lot of squirrels. Okay. (laughs) But thanks, everyone, for listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap. I really appreciate all of our listeners tuning in. Again, I hope everyone has a fantastic Valentine's Day out there. For the Spartan Sports Wrap on on Impact Exposure, my name's Dave Rinku. I'm Megan. I'm Dave. And you guys have a great night. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM. An exclusive podcast from Impact 89FM.